All right, you guys. Here's what happened. I just smoked my ever-loving brains out because I was looking forward to making an iced tea, listening to some loud music, and cleaning the house, which is one of my favorite things to do, as long as it doesn't involve folding clothes, because fuck that shit. Gold star question, right up top, right now. What is your least favorite household chore to do? I would rather wash every dish I own twice than fold one basket of laundry. I'm not going to tell you that it has almost everything to do with the fact that my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, wears a lot of black lacy numbers, which look fucking fantastic on her. But if I have to untangle one more bra hook out of one more of those lacy tops, I'm going to set her entire fucking wardrobe on fire. Reach out to me at Atomic Skull Podcast on the everythings and tell me your least favorite chore. Okay, off the rails already, and you are going to want to get used to that this week. I was literally pairing my earbuds up to my phone when I realized, God damn it, I need to record the episode first. The way that everything kind of works out for me this week right now is kind of the only time I have to knock it out. So because I did need to record, of course, I had to have my ritual shot of tequila, and I've also got that going for me. What that means is that I'm going to be doing the episode accidentally a little bit crossfaded. And here's how we make it fun, because I'm all about having fun. Every time I forget what I'm saying or lose my place, you guys got to take a shot. I can't do that because I wouldn't even get through the fucking episode. Welcome to the Atomic Skull Podcast. To everyone except for people who say, I don't drink coffee. Whenever I feel sleepy, I go for a run because it releases the body's natural blah, 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 blah. Can you even hear this podcast from all the way up there on your high horse? My name is Matt. And I am an introvert in the streets and an extrovert in the sheets. Got just a nice easy one for you crazies this week because I'm ramping up to start the new gig and I have a few other things cooking that I'm not entirely unhappy about. But what I am unhappy about is fucking February coming up entirely too fast. I know everyone is talking about how it's January 85th, but I I want January to slow down as long as it can. If you remember from last year, and I hope you don't, the month of February is extra terrifying for me because I have not only my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name's birthday, but I also have Valentine's Day and our wedding anniversary, all within three weeks of each other. So if anyone has any lawns they might want me to mow or maybe I'll do like a little sexy corner car wash or something like that to help finance these shits because I am terrified for my bank account right now like nobody's fucking business. I bet you thought I forgot, didn't you? Get on the train. Speaking of not forgetting things, I do have one more cleanup that I need to do for the songs I used to like, but 
now I'm currently embarrassed by. Uh, just a few more should do it. So these ones will be nice and quick, which I'm glad about because I definitely do not want to have to dive too deep into these guys. Essentially, we're going to focus a little bit today on new metal, which I stood by as a genre for about as long as I could. For you young whippersnappers out there who don't quite understand the idea of new metal as a thing, or maybe have never heard of it, firstly, lucky you, and Seckenberg, it basically took the idea of heavy metal music, but it removed the guitar solos, which for metal fans is often the best part, and it tried to mix in rap into the whole palette. As a moneymaker in the late 90s, early 2000s, seemed like a great idea at the time, but it ended up kind of being like those situations where the shampoo and the conditioner are both in the same bottle. The shampoo part sucks, the conditioner part sucks, so you actually lose out in the long run by trying to combine them. I'm going to focus on two bands specifically that hit me pretty hard way, way back when we were still paying for the internet by hour. Papa Roach and Stained. And I'm not going to talk shit about them. They're both still touring, if you can believe that. And they are both making a hell of a lot more money than I am. So I feel like Turnabout being fair play, the right thing to do to mention is that not only are they fucking loaded and rich and still touring, but I liked both of them a lot when I was younger. And the reason why is because they both kind of sing about the trials and tribulations of trying and failing to deal with life when you're young, which I feel like on one level or another happens to all of us. If you grew up well-adjusted because your parents loved you, that's great, okay? That's really fantastic, and I love that for you. I really hope you enjoy listening to Mumford & Sons and the Lumineers on repeat and <laughs> being comforted by the confidence that you're actually going to hear from your family on your birthday. But for the rest of us, <laughs> did I cut a little deep there? Hang on. Let me check my wrists. No, we're, we're good. We're good. For the rest of us, listening to someone who makes more money and gets more blowjobs than we do singing about childhood trauma was somehow comforting. I still can't explain it. So songs like Last Resort and Scars and Broken Home by Papa Roach, I took those shits very seriously. And then for Stained, Jesus, their whole fucking catalog, particularly at the beginning, their first like two albums, right right when they started out with the whole shitty Nobody Loves Me songs one after another on there. And that's kind of how I felt back then in my own life. Mud Shovel, Outside, um, Take a Shot, Fade, <laughs> Suffer, For You. They were all songs that I would listen to over and over again and hate everything around me almost as much as I hated myself. But it was just this generic 
temporary blast of validation from a stranger, which in the long run really isn't helpful at all. Plus, no guitar solos. So what was I really doing listening to this shit? You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong, though. I still like sad boy music. And I'm going to be giving you guys a fucking haymaker of a song this week a little bit later on. But that kind of depressing shit that is just straight up angst with no actual feeling behind it, I think that's what kind of got me out of rock music for a little while and got me fist deep into exploring other genres. So I guess I owe bands and songs like that a little bit of debt, but I'm still not going to ever like Creed. When I was putting my big old playlist together a few months back and I took a little dive back into, you know, that whole new metal thing, it wasn't like a what was I thinking moment because I remember exactly where my frame of mind was at the time. I think I just grew up a little and realized that I chose to change myself and the music never really changed. And that's kind of the crux of it when it comes to like depression and mental health and all that other kind of thing. Everyone's journey is different, but we're all working in, on, over, under, around, and through our shit at our own pace. For me, I think I just realized at some point that I had to move forward. And moving forward for me meant learning to live with how I felt about myself and the world around me without having a bunch of angst all the time. So I was able to drop a lot of that anger that I had. You know what I mean? Not sure if you guys have caught this about me, but I have no problem whatsoever with talking about the shit in my brain that I have to deal with all the time. I've been shamed for it so fucking much in my life that I feel like I have to have a voice about it. You know what I mean? But one of the greatest realizations that I've had in my life is that I believe that I'll find my way back from wherever I am. Wow. I actually had this whole bit prepared in my head about how much of an obnoxious, insufferable blowhard Aaron Lewis is. He's the singer from Stained. But I think I took a left turn and things got a little real instead. So sorry about that. With those songs, those last, I think, what was it, like six or seven, that should conclude and then some that little donation experiment that I did from a while back. Thank you all again so much for those of you who were kind enough to send me a little something to hear me embarrass myself. For a second there, I did almost feel like I had a little bit of shame left in me around the boy band area, but it turned out to just be gas. So everything's right where it should be. Let's knock out the best and worst of the week just real quick best of the week is john stewart coming back to the daily show he's coming back for one day a week and he's staying through this year's election which i think is amazing across the board john is a funny motherfucker and the entire writing staff of the daily show i've said it before on the program here chalk 
full of talent. When he originally hosted The Daily Show, John knew how to cut deep, but he also knew how to make me laugh and think at the same time, which is a tough balance. I also liked that he never let anyone off the hook. Nobody on any side of the anything. Even people that he admitted he liked, he was still giving them shit when they fucked up. I believe that if your political and social beliefs 100% line up with one single party or person, generally, the thinking probably isn't critical enough. John was always a voice of reason for me. And even when I didn't agree with him 100%, I was still laughing. And that's the best part. It isn't a news show. It is a comedy show that talks about news. And in that way, John is the best and no one's ever going to get close to him. Also, for bonus points, get yourself on YouTube and watch him eviscerate Bill O'Reilly every time the two of them would debate on anything. It's fucking comedy. I don't know that I would like the idea of Jon Stewart coming back as host full time, but they've definitely had a tough year trying to find a host. So I think this is a good idea for the moment. For worst of the week... This is going to be one of those dumbass things that only I care about. And I can't really talk to just one person about it because no matter how many cocktails I feed someone, there's no way they're going to be able to feign interest in this enough for me to actually want to have the conversation. So I've said this before. I don't know what to like call this segment, but because I can't talk to anyone about it, I'm going to talk to everyone about it. There is a class action lawsuit that was filed, I think, just this last week against Madonna. She is on tour and her tour just hit the States, starting with, I think it was three shows at Madison Square Garden. Apparently, the show kicks ass and that's fucking awesome. But allegedly, the first night, see, I did allegedly, I'm working on that. The first night she started her show 90 minutes late, almost two hours late. No apology, no reference for the tardiness, nothing. Just fuck you, I'm here now, I'm gonna sing Ray of Light, you fucking shitheads. Don't quote me on that last part. But the rest of that is absolutely true. I guess there was a sound issue that they weren't really able to fix, which caused the show to start late. Which, okay, maybe that's a thing. But she also started almost an hour late both of the next two shows at Madison Square Garden. The first one, I would maybe look the other way because of the sound issues. But after that first night, her crew should have absolutely fixed those shits. Also, I did read in a couple of the articles that I was kind of researching that she was late several times during her European tour that she just finished as well. So the audience that first night in New York were a little bitchy from what I read, which I think is fucking delicious. And some of them filed a class action situation for breach of contract and misrepresentation and a few other real pretty legal words that look nice on one of those extra long official looking sheets of paper. If you drop all of the $5 words, basically what the audience members are saying is that 
because the show ended at like 2.30 in the morning, their transportation was limited and it was super expensive. And some of them either had to call out of work the next day or have an extra shitty day of work because they were exhausted. All right. So I'm not sure about the actual legality of the lawsuit because I'm not a lawyer, but I have watched a shit ton of episodes of Law & Order. The bad news is that unless somebody gets sexually assaulted somehow as part of this equation, I'm not going to really be any help. As a moral and ethical issue, look, I came from a generation when it was pretty rock and roll to start your show late. Back in Guns N' Roses' heyday, Axl Rose would show up late to gigs like it was lunch and give zero fucks. And it isn't just him. I've been to a ton of shows where bands started late, and I thought it was really fucking annoying. I think it's so disrespectful to the audience. If Madonna is on tour, that's her job. And there is an expectation of time that she created that's on the ticket. If you're late to work, but when you pimp in the office and you don't address being late at all and just do your job and go home, you might be a piece of shit employee. The other thing is, it isn't like anyone in the audience has an option of holding the show if they happen to be late. You guys, I am not even going to tell you about the time that I drove an hour and change to see Aerosmith and I forgot the fucking tickets. But I certainly wouldn't have expected them to stall the show just because of my dumbass. But it's hard to excuse musicians starting shows late like that. Do I think the class action suit is actually going to go anywhere? Probably not. I think it's a little more on the dramatic side, but I do hope it kind of makes a statement to artists to keep their shit together. I don't care how much and how many different kinds of poison you're putting into your body backstage. Get the fucking job done and get it done on time. So have you guys seen Saltburn? This last week, I treated myself to sitting the fuck down with my dog and watching a movie, which is something I haven't done in decades. Everyone has been telling me that I need to watch Saltburn, which as I'm speaking, this is on Amazon Prime and it's getting a ton of press right now for being provocative and sexy and all that kind of shit. The way that I would describe the plot of the movie which is going to hit extra hard if you've actually seen the fucking thing, is it's basically Harry Potter if he got sorted into Hufflepuff House, complete with a dead hottie in the middle of a maze of bushes. No bullshit. The similarities are uncanny. <laughs> the movie stars Jacob Elordi as the single most fuckable male character from any movie ever made. And this is coming from a relatively straight dude. If you don't believe me, watch the fucking thing. Like they paint his character as uncontrollably and undeniably fuckable and not just sexy, like straight up fuckable. It also stars Barry Cogan's penis. The last scene of the movie, by the way, if you do end up seeing it, or if you have seen it, is a shot-for-shot representation of what my life is going to be like every Friday the second I clock out of work at this new job. 
uh, take a shot. As far as the actual movie itself, it was pretty good. It wasn't a bad flick at all, but it was one of those where I think the point of the movie was to be provocative. And that can work. It has worked. Boogie Nights, Eyes Wide Shut, Last Tango in Paris. Shout out to the use of butter in that one, which is a little Valentine just for the movie nerds. Brokeback Mountain, Black Swan, Ichi the Killer, all provocative movies. It's the entire fucking reason Lars von Trier has a career. The thing, though, with provocative flicks is that they need to have good content behind them. The story, the acting, the plot. If the steak isn't good, the sizzle won't be worth it. You know what I mean? I liked Saltburn, but I feel like it leaned a little bit too heavy on the sizzle and not enough on the steak. I think when I was younger, I probably would have thought the movie was like incredibly good cinema. But these days, I'm an old man and I'm looking to be moved more than shocked. If I want shocking, I can watch One Guy, One Jar for the three billionth time. Also, the whole time I'm watching Saltburn, the plot reminded me a little bit of a watered down version of Parasite, which is a fucking incredible Korean film from a couple years back. TLDR on it. I liked it. I didn't love it. I definitely recommend watching it if you're looking for one of those kind of movies that would piss your parents off if you saw it when you were 19. And then you should watch Parasite because it's just a damn good movie. They did have this really heavy scene in Saltburn where a character brings up the idea of thinking about what font you would want on your gravestone. As morbid of a motherfucker as I am, I had actually never thought about that. But it took me no time at all, and I'm going to say it right here so all of you guys know, just in case, the font I want on my headstone, easy peasy, wingdings. For Song of the Week... I mentioned getting a little sad boy on you earlier, and I'm going to stick to that. I want to be very clear that making this one song of the week doesn't mean I'm slipping back into some shitty mindset or anything like that. This is just an example of what sad songs look like to me these days. Not a lot of angst anymore, just melancholy shit that aims straight for your self-hatred. No passing go, no collecting $200. When my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, first heard the song, she asked the best and biggest question ever, quote, why does this song even exist? That is how fucking sad it is, and I love it. Song of the Week is Winter in My Heart by the Avet Brothers. It is on the Atomic Skull Podcast Songs of the Week playlist on Spotify, and it's the perfect soundtrack if you want to press your head up against a window in the rain. No anger, no remorse, no regret, just fucking sad. But also, it is a truly beautiful fucking song, and that's kind of the point I want to hammer home before I get out of here, is... 
If you're not doing super great right now, that doesn't mean that shit isn't any less beautiful. That means that life sucks just at the moment, but it's temporary. So do not let that stop you from remembering the sun will shine again, if you let it. I promise it will. And if things are going well for you right now, and you're feeling like the maximized version of yourself, that's fucking amazing and be grateful for it. Don't lose sight of those times when you weren't doing your best because just like my main man Bob Ross says, you need the dark to help you see the light better. I am so sorry to get all wholesome on you at the end of the episode. I couldn't find a way to weave in a good pussy joke there, but I'm always a student. So hopefully I'll figure that out down the line. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me a little bit as always. I appreciate that your time is something you can never get back. So spending it listening to my dumb ass, you know, talking at you, being all fucked up and crossfaded really means a lot to me. I have something cooking for next week that I think you guys are going to really like. And I hope you'll come back and join me again for it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, tell anyone who will listen to you about this little shit show here and invite them to come have some fun with us. I hope everyone is living their best ones. Apologies to my mother-in-law. And how are you doing? 